Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, really good to be with you this morning, and um, yeah, great to uh, spend this time together uh, looking at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, now, I don't know if any of you uh, ever go to the uh, the uh, takeaway restaurant Subway, eat fresh. I don't know if anyone ever has been there. Let me describe to you what happens when you go in. Uh, you go in and it's full of choice. It's just all laid out there before you. You choose from four different types of bread, uh, eight different salads. What extras would you like to add on? That'll cost you a little bit more. Which of the 10 different sauces do you want to put on your sandwich? It's all a little bit overwhelming. And invariably, when I go in there, I stand there just staring at the board and then I just ordered the thing I got last time. Our world is, is full of choice. I guess that's just a little example. Uh, but perhaps more than any other time or place in history, we have lots of choice. We have so many things that we can choose from in our lives. Just how we spend our, our free time, uh, which suburb we should live in, uh, what uh, career to pursue or job to do, what type of car to buy, what social events to go to. It's everywhere. Individual choice is a key uh, to just the way we think about the world, to our, our model of economics even, to how our government works. And I think that says something about us, that as humans, we want to choose. We want to be in charge. And we get frustrated when we don't get what we want. So this, this line that we're looking at today in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done, is opposite to what our world is like. It's opposite to what our world is teaching us is good and opposite to what the urge within us is. We would prefer to say, my will be done. Your will be done. The your, of course, is the Father that Jesus is praying to. So what is the Father's will? What does God want? What does it mean to pray that what God wants would happen? Well, we need to think about God's will in at least two ways. Uh, here are the two ways we're going to look at this morning. There's what he wants in his 100% uh, certain plan. That's the first uh, way of looking at God's will. And the second way, there's what he wants in the directions for life that he gives us. So we're going to start with uh, that first aspect of God's will, his 100% certain plan. And God's 100% certain plan is good even when we don't understand it. God's 100% certain plan, this means God's purposes for the whole world that cannot and will not be foiled. It's also sometimes called God's sovereign will or God's decretive will. That is the things he's decreed, the things that he's decided and committed to. Let me give you um, an example. When God said at the very beginning, let there be light, there was no argument. Light didn't kind of dawdle its way along and, oh, okay, I guess I'll do this. No, no, there was light. It happened. God said it and it happened. It's like in the psalm that Andrew read. It talks about how God is from all eternity. He is the one who's in control. He created the whole universe. He keeps all matter going. He'll wrap up history at the end. And this is 
what we see in uh, Paul's uh, letter to the Ephesians in chapter 1, uh, this is how he describes that plan. He says, God will do all he has planned and Christ will bring together everything in heaven and on earth. Christ bringing together everything in heaven and on earth. That's something that God has said will happen. Uh, just like he said, let there be light uh, and it will happen. What, what, does that, what does that even mean? What does that look like? Uh, this is the picture that um, we get in revelation of that moment of things being brought together. A large crowd with more people than could be counted. They were from every race, tribe, nation and language and they stood before the throne and before the Lamb and they sing praise to the Lamb. The Lamb is uh, a symbol uh, for Jesus. So that's the picture. It's this picture of international celebration, bigger in scale than the Queen's funeral and full of individuals of every type in the presence of God himself. It's, it's difficult to comprehend just how big and amazing it will be, but it's, it's the best thing we can possibly imagine. See, God's plan for the whole universe has always been about bringing people together through the forgiveness that they receive uh, from the Lamb, Jesus. And so we're told to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the picture of that last day of people worshipping Jesus, that's actually heaven coming to earth. That is heaven, God's dwelling place, being on earth, God with his people. Absolute joy for those who trust and worship the Lamb. That's uh, what God's will is in the big picture. And it's good. And here's the, the amazing thing, that God fits evil into his plan. God doesn't do evil. No, no, he's, he's fully and completely good. But his plan incorporates the evil that people do. Uh, you might recall the, the story of Joseph and his brothers. Joseph was part of a, a deeply dysfunctional family. And as a young man, he was sold by his own brothers as a slave. Then he wound up in Egypt and through a series of amazing events, he rose to eventually become prime minister of Egypt. And in that role, God showed him uh, that there was a famine coming. Um, and so he was able to prepare Egypt uh, to store up food to survive in the famine. And eventually, his own starving family traveled to buy some of that food. So God, through Joseph, ended up saving his whole family, including uh, and in fact, because of the brothers who mistreated him. And this is what Joseph said to his brothers as they were reunited in that strange circumstance, decades after they'd sold him into slavery. He said, you tried to harm me, but God made it turn out for the best so that he could save all these people. That doesn't mean that God was happy with what the brothers did. No, no, he hates what the brothers did, but, but he used it. And I don't, I don't pretend to know how in, in all circumstances this works. This is one example, but even the worst things that happen in our world, even the worst things that happen to us are not unexpected to God. Even the worst things don't throw his plan out. In fact, they're, they're somehow part of it. It's a bit like 
uh, watching a movie where you think there's, there's got to be a happy ending to this movie, but at a particular point in the movie, you can't quite work out how it's going to happen. You're watching this individual scene and, and it seems kind of hopeless. One of the things that I had to do um, when Sophie, uh, my wife from the UK, moved to Australia was show her the movie The Castle. Now, it's not an, an epic, uh, I wouldn't say, but uh, I remember when I watched that movie for the first time, uh, there's a moment when the father, Daryl, goes in and uh, they, he hires this incompetent lawyer and they're fighting this eviction and they get trounced in court and you just think, this might not turn out happy. I think this is quirky Australian comedy. There's probably like a sad ending to this. Of course, it does turn out all right. I don't know if you've seen a film like that where you're watching it and you're thinking, this, this, I, I can't see how this is going to work out. But whatever the twists and turns in our world, that God already knows the ending. And he's, he's told us the ending. He's like the director who's made the film. And his 100% certain plan has a happy ending. Which, incidentally, might be why we love films with happy endings. And so what does thinking about God's will in this way, as his 100% certain plan, what does this mean for us praying your will be done. Well, it means saying to God, God, I promise to accept everything that you send into my life, whether I understand it or not. It doesn't mean doing nothing. We should resist evil. We should do good. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But it means saying to God, I promise to accept what you send into my life, whether I understand it or not. In, in our world that's so full of choice, when we're so used to getting what, what we want, it's hard uh, enough, it's hard to acknowledge even that there's things outside of our will that we can't control, and still harder to accept that someone else's will might actually be good, better than what we think, but God's will is. So for all the things outside of your control, of which there are so many, it means acknowledging God as God, and acknowledging him as good. It means trusting him. And that's not easy. So it means accepting what, what happens in life, but also seeking to understand. In some situations, as you get to know God's plans better, you may be able to see what he might be doing in a way that you couldn't before. You might find yourself, for instance, growing in patience because of a frustrating person in your life. Or you might realize that the, the mocking you're facing uh, because you're a Christian, well, it's part of following Jesus who was persecuted and that brings him glory. You might start to see some of these things, but lots of times you won't be able to work it out. And that's where uh, trust really comes in. That's where we need to pray, your will be done. God, may your 100% certain plan be done because we know it's good even when we don't understand it. So that's, that's the first aspect of God's will. Here's the second, God's directions for life. Now this is what we could call his, his moral will or his will of command. This is how God tells us to live life. Uh, he knows the best way to live, so he wants us to live as he designed life to be lived. It's like at the end of the psalm that we read earlier, Psalm 93, your statutes, Lord stand firm. God says things, he says things like, don't lie, or he says, love other people as if you're loving yourself. 
But because he lets us choose, as you know, these things don't always happen. I already mentioned Joseph's brothers before. They went against God's directions for life. And yet, the actions of those brothers were used in God's 100% certain plan. We might look at that and look at our lives and think, well, it's a bit of a mystery how evil actions get woven into God's plan. But, well, the outcome of these evil actions isn't a mystery. We can see how it all collides together as we look at the life of Jesus Christ. God can use the worst things that happen in his plan because he takes the worst things that happen on himself. Have a think about uh, Jesus for a moment. He was killed because of the failure of people to follow God's directions for life. Think of, of Judas, one of Jesus' disciples. He sold Jesus to his enemies. He lied. He betrayed uh, God himself become human. He wasn't following God's directions for life. That led to Jesus' death. Or we could look at the leaders or at Pilate. We could look at the people. We could look at Jesus' others, other disciples. We could look at us. All these uh, factors of people not following God's directions for life leading to Jesus' death. But on the other hand, we can see someone who does go with God's directions for life. Jesus, as he contemplated taking on himself all of God's anger towards sin, towards the evil that other people have done, as he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, uh, he asked his father if there was any other way things could be different other than him going to the cross and taking on that pain. But then he prayed, well, this prayer that we've been talking about today, yet not my will, but yours. And so as we zoom right back out, we can see that Jesus' death, even though the greatest injustice, the saddest moment in history, even that was actually planned from even before the creation of the world. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says, Christ was chosen to rescue people even before the world was created. What a, an amazing thought that God's 100% certain plan from before the beginning of time was to rescue people who hadn't followed his directions for life through Jesus' death. And so the most uh, important uh, of God's directions for life, if you want to follow God's will, uh, the most important thing is to trust in Jesus, the one who always followed God's will. Let me read to you, uh, this is from 1 John chapter 3. This is God's command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the key direction for life. You cannot pray, your will be done, genuinely, without entrusting your life to Jesus. It's the first sort of domino to fall. If that one doesn't go down, none of the other dominoes will go down either. But once that first decision is made, what does it look like to, to, to follow God's directions for life? To pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, it means praying this. God, I promise to obey everything in your word, whether I like it or not. 
See, God's directions for life are good, even when we don't like them. Some people ask, you know, what, is, what, what is God's will for my life? Normally when they ask that, they mean, you know, what decisions should I make about this particular specific scenario that's happening in my life right now? Should I uh, do this job or do this job? Should I marry this person or this? Well, what is God's will for my life? But actually, the, the way the Bible talks about his, his will for your life isn't so much instructions for every situation. It's, it's God telling us what kinds of people he wants us to be. God's will for your life in this sense is not actually all that complicated or mysterious. Gossip or lying or pride or anger in your heart or lust, is that God's will for your life? No, that's not God's will for your life. But those things are very tempting. On the other hand, more positively, is it God's will for your life that you should love other people more than yourself? Yes. Is it God's will that you should take special care of the poor and the vulnerable? Is it God's will that you should take every chance you get to tell others about Jesus the King? Or is it His will that you should meet with other Christians? Is it God's will that you should work as if working for the Lord? Yes. The Bible tells us very clearly those are all uh, God's will for our lives. In a world that gives us so much choice and encourages us to follow our desires, and as, as people who want to please, number one, ourselves, it's very difficult to, to do God's will for our lives because we want my will to be done. So often we find the issue is not so much knowing what God's directions are, what His will is, but actually doing it. So we need to pray, your will be done. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 uh, summarizes His will. God wants you to be holy. He wants us to be like Jesus. And so what, what do we do with all those I guess, specific choices that are facing us uh, each day, from which subway to order at a very uh, uh, minor end, to, to how you spend your free time, to, to where you live, to, to all these choices we're faced with. Well, God leaves that responsibility to us. If you've thought through what God has told us not to do, for example, if we think, okay, I'm not being driven by greed or pride here, for instance. If you're thinking through how, how the choice demonstrates love to God and other people, then there might be a number of different options ahead of you that, that all seem equivalently good, and it's up to you. We were talking uh, before about this idea of God being like the director of a movie. Imagine for a moment that you're an actor in a movie, a movie that's being filmed, produced right now. And you've been asked to play a particular character in this film. I don't know if you've ever, if you've got a favorite um, uh, film that you think, oh, that's the character I'd want to be. But imagine you're um, playing this character and the director will give you some clear directions at some point. He might say, do this, don't do that. But he might also leave it up to you to get into character, you know, to say things in the way that the character would say things to um, work out what hand gestures that character would make. He might even tell you at some points 
well, I haven't actually quite worked out the dialogue completely in this scene, but this is where the scene is going, this is where the story is going, and he might leave it to you to make up the exact words that you say. See, we know that God wants us to be like Jesus. We're becoming like him. The director has given us uh, some directions, but we know who it is we're being, so it's up to us to act like him. And that's, that's difficult, but exciting. Because the issue mostly is not so much what is God's will, but actually carrying it out. The issue is the battle of the wills. See, we need God's help. So we need to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, heaven is the place where God's directions for life are perfectly carried out right now. But the Bible says heaven is coming to earth. It, it says actually that heaven has come to earth in one person already, in Jesus, who came from heaven to earth and obeyed God perfectly. It's coming now in little ways as people trust Jesus and obey him in hard decisions in their individual lives. And it will come fully when Jesus returns to bring heaven and earth together in a new creation. Then we'll be changed to be like him and we'll be ourselves, we'll be the best version of ourselves. Can you imagine that? That's God's directions for our lives and his 100% certain plan coming together. And it's really, really good. So pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Um, Father, as we uh, reflect on these things and as we come to pray uh, the Lord's Prayer in a moment, we just thank you uh, so much that you have a good and glorious plan for us. Thank you that you are able to make it happen. Father, thanks that your word tells us how you want us to live as part of your world. And Father, we pray that you would help us to live in a way that pleases you rather than ourselves that says, thy will be done rather than my will be done. Lord, help us trust you that you have all things under control even when we don't understand them. Father, let your will be done. Amen.